0: how its genres blend, bounce off each other, and advance a rich tapestry of storytelling innovation. Together, we'll gain a deeper appreciation for this wondrous, shape-shifting medium. Our journey begins soon. Be part of this adventure by subscribing to Cinemascope today.
1: Do you know what the thing is? I think that I think we should do a new thing. Oh, would you like to know what it is? <laughs> we need uh we need to be endorsing one another with uh with nicknames like they do in the tank
2: <laughs> oh uh, like war daddy and like, ass and, sure.
1: and, bi- <laughs> and bible and yep. that would that would be you and machine and old man <laughs> An old man. Well, <laughs> no
0: it's gotta be like walker or something
1: <laughs> right walker. right it would have to be because it's too on the nose if it's just I think Old it's, Man. i
2: think it's liver spot <laughs> 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 and trailer think it can't get worse, it can, and it will. The dying's not done, the killing's not done. I promised my crew a long time ago I'd keep them alive.
3: I was afraid you were dead. Where's the rest of third lieutenant? We're it.
2: Sergeant Collier, I'm your new assistant driver. Tank school? That's home. Never even seen me inside of a tank. You will. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. Been with these fine gentlemen for years.
3: These troops get by you. We're all dead in the water. All we got is you. I won't ask you to do anything I haven't done myself.
2: Calm check photo check.
0: Ready check. Bono check.
2: Ah! check. Air! Fire. All right. Hit that gun the me! Get out! Do your job! Do what you're here for! The deals are peaceful. History is violent.
0: Wait till you see it. See what?
2: we a man can do to another man. I'm scared. I'm scared too. It will end soon. But before it does, a lot more people gotta die. Well, you know, we do get $1.35 a day, right? <laughs> Best job I ever had. Best job I ever had. Best
3: job I ever had.
2: They're coming. How many? 300 of them. Five
3: against three hundred. We well, never run before. Why are we gonna run now?
1: Welcome, everybody, to the next Real Film Board. Uh, we are gathered here today to take to this thing called Fury, a new film. Uh new film uh, It came out just uh, last week, just a Friday. It's a very exciting film. Uh, it is by the uh, wonderful David Ayer, a writer and director. David Ayer stars Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf and Logan Lerman and a whole lot of other wonderful people, which we will talk about uh, in some detail. Before we get to that, though, I'm Pete Wright and sitting over there across from me is Steve Sarmento. Hey, everybody. And Tom Metz. Hi, friends. And Andy Nelson.
0: Best job I ever had.
1: There we go. (laughs) And we are here once again, and everybody has seen the film, and we are, we're ready to talk about it. I, uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start. I usually go last. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna kick this one off. I love this film. I had a delightful time watching this film, and, uh, and I love just about everybody in it. I had a really hard time picking this one apart. And I am really frustrated. When I find this is one of those movies where I find myself really frustrated when I read critics who
2: don't like it. Am I alone? Can you say that last part again? I ran to get my notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no.
2: I am a consummate professional. Flick shot! All right, come on. <laughs> did just... you
1: did, Seriously, did you not like this film? Me, personally? Yeah, you personally.
2: No, I really liked it. Oh, good. I thought you were going to throw me under the tank. How come that's not, you, A, that's not a phrase, and B, oh, throw you under the tank. It C, is, you have to I'm commit stupid. to it. Come <laughs> I on. Sorry. I'm, yeah. <laughs> i sorry. I'm starting my brain up. I apologize. I, uh,
1: I'm, I, I'm excited to hear uh, your thoughts on this film. Give me the give me the quick rundown. What'd you think?
2: For me, yeah. um, uh, I really liked it. And at times, in spite of myself, uh, there were times that I felt with this kind of a film... In sound, this is very callous and I don't feel great about saying it, but sometimes about films like this, I feel kind of like war is hell. And if that's all you have to say, then it becomes at risk of being World War II porn. That we, with these World War II films, we have to keep updating the atrocities that we see. We have to keep uh, making things worse and worse uh, in order just to make this story still worth telling. That being said, this film uh, very much so not won me over, but I was absolutely captivated. It was incredibly harrowing. Um, the I had some problems, I guess, with the storyline, or more, more importantly, with the characterizations, but I thought it was thrilling and scary and terrifying and incredibly... The best phrase that I was able to come up with, which is not a good phrase, was lived in. It felt incredible. I guess realistic is the best way to say it, that I felt like I was going on a journey with these guys, a journey that I would never want to have gone on, was kind of glad I did, and gave me so much more respect for people that did that. So I was definitely a fan.
1: Excellent, Steve.
3: I'm sort of was sort of coming from the same place that the Tom was in terms of okay, we there've been just so many films on World War II and what new story do we have to tell that we haven't seen before because yes, we know war is horrible. What what can they bring new to the genre? And that's what I thought going in and I I came out of this film just really I, I don't know, just with a heavy heart. It was I mean, this was a film that just hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to. I mean, I've seen a lot of films. I mean, I've you know about war. You know, Platoon and uh, you know Black Hawk Down, Saving Private Saving Ryan. Thirty, Saving Private Ryan. That you know Thin Red Line. That have that have done this and and this one just really hit me differently. That it just was like a boulder was resting on my chest after this film of just what how why did this move me so much and there's a lot that happens. In this film, and there's so many elements. You know, I think as Tom pointed out, we you know we go on this journey. We really connect with these guys. Uh, this this almost like a family unit here, and it just it it really moved me, and it, it reminded me of the fact that um, my my grandfather, my my dad's father, fought in World War II. He was in a tank. He was out in the Pacific, though. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away when I was seven. I never really had a chance to talk to him about his. You know experiences, but just seeing this and then reflecting on that, I just thought, oh my gosh, just what those guys go through. Uh, it was just really heavy, and it was not something that I expected to hit me that hard. So I, I, I hate to say I enjoyed this film, but it was much more powerful than I anticipated.
1: I agree. Very heavy, Andy.
0: I feel like I'm going to be uh, ripped apart you're the one on this episode. You're I'm the, the guy. One. Oh, that's right. Guy.
2: You hate America. <laughs> that's
0: right. Yes, I. We're, you know, it's like it's like the Oscars when uh, when Ellen was just like, you know, if if Twelve Years a Slave doesn't win, then you're all racist. You know, it's like, yes, I'm that guy who hates America.
2: <laughs> so, so we have to make a like. If can we sort of make? I don't want to. Sorry, Pete. This is Pete and Andy. This is your podcast. But can we sort of please draw the line across that and say? <laughs> feel free to speak honestly because we can because it's about World War II we can speak forever we would ac- accidentally spend all of our time saying but of course I love our troops of course I respect if we can oh, yeah, just yeah. talk about the film itself yeah
0: oh sure sure
3: yeah. I
2: think that's important to feel free to do that
0: no and I totally do I mean I I I I it's there's definitely for me a separation from you know World War two to this film um, I, I enjoyed I, I loved the characters in this film I thought they were really solid despite and I think you were alluding to it Tom some some uh, some uh, character traits that they infused into them that felt a little um, one wow. note yeah just they you know they, they needed to get some stereotypes in there to you know make us pick them out easier. Um, But I still, I I thought the performances were fantastic, and it, it was a very interesting war film because it was very much, for me, it seemed like a character piece because the 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 nature of the story is is kind of not there, and that 's I think my biggest problem with it is I just really the story uh and the way they they developed the story was really uninvolving for me, and as much as I enjoyed the performances in it, I never got connected to any of the characters I enjoyed the uh the sequences but like the the battle scenes as 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 technically uh, fantastic as they were um like I was never on the edge of my seat. Like, what's going to happen? It never struck me, and it. it I kept getting distracted by things like, how did they make Brad Pitt's scars so nicely, and and uh, you know, random things like that that I shouldn't be thinking about when I'm watching a movie like this. And I just had a really hard time um, getting myself involved in the story. And I, that for me was the biggest uh, the biggest issue that I had.
2: You're not on an island alone with that I'm definitely more I'm definitely more positive for the film than you are but I have a lot of those same kind of feelings if that helps at all
0: yeah I, I won't I won't say I hate the film I just I'm saying I just I couldn't connect to it.
1: Oh, that's good because in my notes I wrote uh, Tom loved it, had character issues. Steve uh, war as hell, and Andy writes uh, says guy who hates things. So um, <laughs> I hope we can redeem that in my notes. The um, you know I'm interested in, in uh, diving in a little bit on the stereotypes of the characters because I think that's a that that's a very natural place for this film, and I think part of the things that uh, of the thing that I liked so much about it was that the intimacy that we get to see within this tank crew, and it starts in the very beginning when we, we lose uh, the the main bow gunner, uh, the assistant driver. And, uh, you know, the fact that the film starts at the end of a clearly horrendous battle in which they suffered devastating loss, I thought was a, a wonderful way to kick off this film. I mean, it put me so into the the mode. Um, and, and and aside, as I distract myself, the opening shot, uh, w- I was... Really riveted by the op- the opening single with shot. With the
2: SS on the horse? The
1: SS on the horse, because when he's in the distance, just the way it comes up with it, that sort of high-key bright sky, um, it looks like you're coming in over a forest until y- you see him resolve. And then for just a second, he's a giant man on a horse, just <laughs> Tromping across a German forest. And then you get to see that it is just this incredibly, you know, war torn, muddy field. And I thought that was just fantastic. So I love that. I love the introduction of the team as this team that's already in a state of disaster. And yet they have to find a way to come together. And I love the pain. You really get the film that that, the feeling that Don, uh, Brad Pitt's character, uh, War Daddy, this tank sergeant, um, is feeling great pain at bringing on this other young uh young guy this young clerk who was assigned to this tank like he feels great pain and i felt like that set the tone so well for me uh to meet this sort of body of of soldiers um uh, in it, it just i thought it really worked well what what is it that gave you guys uh character trouble here uh, for
2: me actually i don't i would like not to go first if that's okay okay
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll go. I I mean, it was you know the the I don't know. I, I felt like they had they had to go to the cliche. Let's bring in the the most possibly inexperienced person that they can bring into this scenario, so we can see it through his eyes. The audience that, surrogate. Yeah, the audience surrogate, the guy who's never even you know been in a tank before. That to me is just like, of course, that's going to be the guy that that uh, they're going to throw in for us. And and uh, again. This is as much as I love these performances because I think it was five absolutely outstanding performances of these guys, or four no, it's five get confused, but the um uh and then just their reaction- their their interactions, just like you know as they go around introducing them, and it's just you know don't get too close to anybody it's just it it felt like all that sort of stuff was like oh, of course they're going to say that, of course they're going to say that, of course they're gonna do this um you know I, I don't know it's it's those little things that felt like standard sort of stuff to me. And I, I don't know, I guess I, I liked the characters, but those elements of them, I felt like it's, it's you know, it's it's kind of just the standard war scenes that they're writing in here.
1: Uh, well, I just, I wonder how much of that is, um, because, you know, what we know from history is that this kind of stuff happened. Like, these were the pivotal moments of, of history. And um, that, you know, we know that when we had a troop shortage they brought in anyone and everyone that was wearing green and you ended up having people who were in, like i feel like to me that was a very realistic element like a historical element that was that was a, a, accurate to me like it it felt well and i wonder how much of your reaction to it is because other films have hit that tone it doesn't make them wrong it doesn't make them bad it just means there are other films that are equally historically accurate, and now you're tired of it?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, I'm not saying that that isn't the case, that they weren't bringing in these young guys. It just feels like it's something that is is a tried-and-true way to tell these stories by using those elements.
1: So the better question then, Andy, is do you think it would have been better had we just not had to deal with that loss? Like, would it have been enough to you just to meet the tank crew Intact?
0: Maybe. I mean, I was I was thinking about that as I as I left. I'm like because in my head I was comparing this with uh, Das boat which I think is uh, you know it, an amazing World War II film. Um, where again, where they're putting you in a confined space with a with a team of people. Um, but I loved the characters and I was so much more involved in that story than this one. Granted, but they still it's, brought it's in the green twice They'd, as long. They
1: brought in the green guy. He was the, the well, reporter. He was not well, a submarine. No, but but uh, yeah, I
0: mean. But there, there was so much. I, I think it was just there was so much more time spent on all the character development beforehand that I got to know those characters before we went into war. In this particular film, I didn't get to spend any time with any of the characters, and it, I was just thrust into the middle of it. And so, it so all I had to cling on to was this is the new guy. You okay. know, I didn't have all that backstory of the wonderful stuff of them cavorting in the bar and all that sort of stuff. Like I was like, if they started this. Um, like if he came on at the at like a, a place like the town where all the guys are partying and drinking and screwing around with all the local women and all that and I got to know the characters a little more and then I went into it I feel like maybe I would have connected a little more I, I don't know
2: I have a potentially one of the biggest differences about the just the idea of bringing in the greenhorn the tenderfoot uh is okay because I mean, Platoon, one of the greatest war movies ever made, is done that. One of the things that David Ayres does, though, a lot is that he just he con- he can uh, constricts the time so much to just twenty four hours, like Training Day. Yeah, right. Uh, and this, um, whereas things like Platoon, other things that the audience surrogate is brought in, but there's more time. To be spent with the team and more time, you know, naturally and organically to be able to understand where they're coming from. There's no real time to be able to spend with this team, and I and I'm not. I think it works for and against this film, but I think that's one of the biggest problems. Is not that just the idea of we're bringing in an audience surrogate, a greenhorn? That it's that if you do that, then and just restrict it. To a 24-hour period where no, one's, no one will naturally have these, you know, oh, here's my backstory and stories, that that's where it becomes a little bit more difficult. Is that potentially right, Andy?
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You, when, you, when you squeeze all of that down, you're only left with kind of those, the stereotypes as opposed to having more time to develop
2: all that. And I both like that in this film, and don't like it. I think that that's a screenwriter that can be, for a certain screenwriters, an easy way out, and for other screenwriters, can give just a incredible just sort of slice of life part of war, which I think is what um, uh, Fury is.
0: Yeah, it very much is just a very, a very small piece of the action, which I, I did like that also quite a bit. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I think that's another piece of it, though. Is the this idea of having, of of putting us in? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot of World War II tank movies. Right. I mean I I know there are there are a, a handful, you know, but the the, the but movies very, that I remember very are few. like Yeah, and they're like from the 50s, you know, Tanks are Coming, uh Paratroop Command, um, you know,
2: I Tanks for the Memories. Ke-
1: Kelly's <laughs> Heroes I think was uh you know, uh, uh Suther- Donald Sutherland was a tank commander in in uh, yep. uh Kelly's Heroes. So, uh, you know, Tank I-
2: it up for what? <laughs> did you
1: did, are you what? What are, you, are you on like a BuzzFeed list of 50s tank films? What? Take
2: it up for what? That, what was is that supposed to be a joke. No, because the song turned it up for what? <laughs> I was trying to make. I'm trying to bring in the younger listeners. Oh, God, take it totally, up for what? I
1: totally derailed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You keep doing what you do. Oh, good. It's your jam. <laughs> uh, so, anyhow, I'm I'm not familiar with that, and so as a result, like this, I, I found was a novel approach to this. It was a piece of the war that I was really interested in in seeing. You know, I found myself really kind of compelled to see what these guys, what life was like inside this this you know this old tiger tank, and and uh, uh, y- you know, it was. I felt like they they delivered on that.
3: Well, I think the the character piece for me. With this was uh, because it is condensed into the, sort of the twenty four hours is you know you don't get that typical you know character arc that development of you know this here's the new guy to you know the the crew, and so over time he's gonna you know endure these situations and you're gonna see this transformation you don't have time for that to happen in twenty four hours, and we do see a little bit of that, and to me that was you know I had trouble buying it when he's saying, oh yeah, I, you know." when he, when they're in the town and he like shoots all those guys and they're like, and he's like, oh yeah, I, I really kind of liked it. And I'm like, I think he, you know, is he faking it, you know, just so that they, you know, get off his case because I don't get the sense that within that amount of time he's really like, oh yeah, I'm buying into this, you know, shooting if, people. If it helps uh, at all, and, I
2: think he was faking it at that yeah, point. Yeah, you know, I did Yeah.
3: yeah. So you know, by the end, so I thought, okay, he, when he comes out, you know, at the end, I mean, he's like shell shocked. He's, you know everything that he's gone through. So I thought, okay, it's not really about how war transforms a person. And I thought about what is it, what, what's the point of the story? You know, again, there's, a, you know, a lot of really good movies that tackle World War II. What is this one trying to say? And I thought, is it more of not just war is hell, but the decision that these guys have to make at this crucial point at the crossroads? You know, what is their justification for that? I think it's, how do guys get in a position where they're willing to make, you know, put their lives on the line, to make a sacrifice, their commitment to each other, you know, how does that develop, you know, to me, that's really what the story's about. It's not about the, the transformation of a character, but their commitment to an ideal. And I think there's a, there's a, I think... War Daddy says it that you know you know ideals are are are, are peaceful and, and and war is, war is or or history. History is, history, is, history is violent, and we see sort of that the intersection of that. So it's to me, it, as I reflected on this, I thought it's really more about that about these guys and the decision they make because they're they're given a choice. War Daddy gives them a choice, and and why why are they so devoted to him? You know what what is it in you know his decision making process, how, his commitment. To the, to the guys, to to what he feels his mission is, that's really sort of the crux of the story that, that holds everything together, and maybe it's something that on a second viewing, because there's so much that's just visually overwhelming and intense, and even the the score, the soundscape of the film, I mean, there's just so much going on to really sit back and look at, because I saw it just, you know, this afternoon to really, sort I'm still distilling everything down to what what was I? What did I just survive in this in this film? And what did these guys? Mm. Who are they? And I think that's sort of why we get to where we, we start. Where we do because they they they're all you know they've endured this loss with you know a key member of their team is is Wardani says this is the you know the best you know assistant you know or whatever and you know and and that now I've got you um, so there's you know. They had a, a cohesive unit. We don't know how long they'd all been together. You know, all five of them have been together, uh, but apparently perhaps since North Africa, so for years. Right. And now we've got a replacement. So how do they, how are they going to react to that? How's this guy going to fit in? So it's an interesting dynamic. I, I I like where it started because uh, it, it does, it loss is a great part of this film for these, for these guys. And I think it was crucial to start with that, not just, introducing this new guy into a unit but to see where where they're coming from what situation he's walking into it's not just oh they completed mission they were the last survivors of a you know a catastrophe and lost you know vital crew member and now they've got this guy and to me that's sort of the, how I'm trying to reconcile the character piece versus, you know, my tradi- your traditional character arcs and, you know, why are these guys stereotypes? There's, there's something a little bit more going on, I think.
2: And that makes a lot of sense because for my character problems that I had with the film being uh, that they were a little bit one-note at times, uh, that I cared about them all very much by the end because I was stuck in a tank with them. I mean, a part of what you were saying, and I think you're right, Steve, about the idea that the it's about ideals. I also think that maybe, and this is partly borrowing from other films that uh, David Ayers has written or directed. Part of it is also forced camaraderie. Yeah. Of just that you are, you have a mission, but the mission becomes. At, The mission is only as important as protecting the guy next to you, the people that you are with, and the people that are in this impossible mission with you. And then as a result, you have to, you have to protect them. You have to do everything you can to do whatever you can to make them still alive at the end of the day and that's where ethics and ideals and everything gets really really messy and i like that the film went for that for me so that's i just wanted to sorry to repeat myself but just again i had problems with the characters they seemed one note at times but i felt like i was trapped with them and as a result i felt like i cared about them and i feel like norman did a good job in coming around in that way
1: talk about uh, john uh, bernthal I think that was that was one that was of Oof. some controversy his his portrayal of the uh Was controversy? Um, wasn't there I mean I I think Tom wasn't uh, you, didn't you think he was a little bit uh, was he one of the one note I was I'm interpreting your your last slash sure. message.
2: No, yeah, no, I pre- <laughs> right. No, I appreciate it. Uh yeah, he's just the worst of the worst. And I know that especially back in the day or maybe even i shouldn't oh okay, all right we gave each other we're not worrying about social lines and uh army and stuff like that. but i mean yeah he's he just his character is represented by saying stop kicking me i'm not an animal and the hero of the film war daddy brad pitt says yes you are you only respond to the boot or the heel or yeah. something like that yeah. And that was pretty true. Like he's horrible; he's a horrible person with one weirdly bright light of insight. But that's okay. It became okay for me at some point because, just at some point, the dirt and the grime, and the and I don't want to skip over topics, but the ability for David Ayer to show the amount of boredom at times of battle, of just riding through battle, and it's so boring because the tanks do not move fast. And then you're going from zero to a hundred, from sleep time to you're about to die. That changes someone. And I think of the film is a lot about that. And so the film to a certain point, gave me enough. I could have used more than the screaming horses speech personally, but that it helped with the idea of that because they made it clear that they started in Africa and went to Belgium and France, and I don't remember the order, they've been in here for so long. Yes, some of them are animals. Some of them have just retreated to their most primal state, whatever they can. And it made it more okay for him to be the worst person in the world i still hated him
1: why why did you why did you uh, need more than the horse's speech you didn't like that one or you just wanted like what did you need to make that more rich
2: it's a little uncomfortable to say but it's what i talked about before in my opening which was world war ii porn is that I feel that the problem when we make... I know we've already said that this film isn't just about war as hell, but it's very episodic. There's no real through line. There's no, when we get to this point, then we will solve the day. It just sort of keeps happening. And I'm okay with that, and we could talk about that in the future. But the point is that... when you don't have a through line when you don't have, especially if it's not a true story, and this is just for me, if you don't have a true story that you're telling, then you're just retelling anecdotes about the horrors of war, and you have to keep upping them and upping them and upping them because of all of the horrible things we've seen and heard about and read about, In, but also really for this podcast, seen in films. And the screaming of horses... It didn't, in a completely different way, and he's not a part of this thought at all. It didn't move me. <laughs> but I, I don't yeah, think its purpose was to though.
3: move you. It, its purpose wasn't to move you. Look at where that scene occurs. Because well, we've that's got, we've got War Daddy weird. and and Norman who are having their sort of reprieve from right. the war, and and there there's because the, the scene struck me as really odd at first. I thought, what yeah. what's going on here? And it's okay. It's War Daddy's attempt to sort of. Show his other side to Norman to say I'm not just the one side you see of me. I I've got the civilized side, and we can we can have this moment. And I think also for War Daddy, it's his, it's his reprieve. I we see it. it everything wears on him. He's got to put up put a face on to keep these guys together. He's got to be the leader. He's got to be the strength. He's got to carry all that, and it's wearing on him. We see that in several scenes. So here's this moment where he's sort of stepping back. But and it seems then, like
2: that's the story that, br- that is right. the one so that's why did, why bro-
3: did, why that does, broke. why does John Barenthal, why does Kunas tell him that story? Because, yeah. hey, you, you can't get away from this. It's here. And it's also a reminder to Norman, you didn't go through this with us. We have this. We've seen horrible things together. So you're not part of our team yet
2: and i right. com- and i completely yeah. completely agree and i think that's exactly what the film was trying to do what i'm saying is the horribleness and the desensitization that sometimes i go through is and i'm really sorry the story wasn't horrible enough huh okay Sicko. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, that, yeah, and crazy. I said, I told you that I was Whoa. very uncomfortable saying this, that's why I called it World War yeah. II porn. I mean, we've heard in films many much more worse things <laughs> than the idea of what horses smell like when they're dying. But you know what,
1: Tom? That's why I actually really liked it, and I liked it coming from John Bernthal's character. It, it because, came from
0: Gordo, guys. It came from Gordo.
2: Right. Like I said, Gordo's character... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, cuz it was it meant something to him versus right,
1: that's what i mean like that yeah, that's what we get right. to see like what's important to these guys you know what i mean like th- this is the i mean it's not uh, to me this is like the bar is set for these kinds of of monologues the bar is set at quint speech you know what i mean i mean sure. this is this is the it's it's a similar function it's a pause in the drama and it's a sense to give you perspective of this these the history that these people had together and right. the the in jaws this tale of the indianapolis was was a a i mean it was a stunning sort of legendary moment in film for me sure. and this was uh, I, I think serves the same purpose, but it serves the same purpose. to me that sequence uh, was was really powerful because I, I think, yeah, there's a reprieve. There's a sense of reprieve that we have War Daddy taking Norman to, to to kind of get away from the war. But the other piece of it is he is a teacher. He is the consummate teacher, the archetypical teacher. And what he is doing right now is he is educating Norman to the ways of war, and he's doing it in a very civilized way. Uh, but he's doing it nonetheless. He's doing it, it. Really, what he's doing, in spite of putting the civilized face on it and delivering the eggs and having a nice breakfast, it is a, a massive violation
2: oh good uh, right. i'm so glad that you because that the so much of that scene was so uncomfortable for yes. me and at some point it became cutesy and nice and i just want nothing... to make sure that everyone thought that it was super weird Whoa. i mean they broke in that door they broke it, in that door it was they terrifying. put those
1: women into a position of great terror and violated them that is what happened in that room and they did it with gentleness and they did it and they it it Turned on a dime and you, you, you know, but, but really what happened there was a violation to me. And, uh, and I think that, that but then it's
2: re violated by the bad, by the bad guys. guys, And they
0: come in and they just make you, I I felt that they really just make you aware of that. It really is a violation. Yes. None of this was really as nice as as
2: uh as war daddy's trying okay. to make it same. Do you, yeah. do think, it really. Do you think really Ayer, is do you think complete. Ayer knew that though? Because she came over and started like happily singing with him at the beat I thought that well, at she one, was the one young, point
0: she was the young one. She wasn't as as you know, versed in the ways of war as the as her cousin seemed to be, you know. She was yeah.
2: crying as soon as they came in. Yes. That well that, she, uh, I got really uncomfortable with that scene and that I felt that the director and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but the director thought that there was a turn that it was like, this is not a violation anymore. This is now pretty civilized, and maybe it was in a certain way, and this is all fine, and then it's like, nope, it's still crappy. It seemed always a violation. You take, She's young, and she seems nice. You take her into that room, or you take me, or I'll take her. Yeah, exactly. This was one way or another, this was a
1: rape. I mean, this was a a massive violation, and they did it under the guise of, this is what war is like. And because Norman had no sense of war, this was yet an I mean, this was, the, this was a, the, the, the civil mirroring of the sequence that had come just before when he had to force Norman to shoot the SS soldier, and, and that, I found, was equally troubling to watch. I mean, it was incredibly difficult to watch, but all of it is in the service of education, of indoctrination into this otherwise completely uh, disturbed family unit.
2: Oh, Oh God! I love all of that. I love everything that you just said, especially because no, and I'm not, I'm not uh, sh- shining a light up uh, a tunnel. I don't know what <laughs> phrases are, but the point being that also, like that, in those times, in those times, and in that tank, in that family, you can't. Not be there. Your right. action of not doing something is not allowed because then you will kill other people. Right,
1: and and I think we got. that. I mean, that was that was the point. We got to witness the, right. the guy jumping out of the tank on fire. I mean, that was a horrible thing, but it was all in the service of this idea that. We know, Norman, you don't want to be here. We know you want to be typing 60 words a minute. And you know what? We don't want you here either. But if you're going to be here, here are the rules. And we know you don't want to learn them, but you have to learn them because we have no choice or we
2: die. And probably we didn't want to learn them,
1: right? Nobody wants to learn them. We're all damn. We're all worse for this experience. And and I think that for me was the message of the film. This was a horrible time in history. We are worse for our experience having done it. But here we are.
2: And you kill them, or they kill us. Well, that's kind of where I ended up. Yeah, and that's. But I mean, he he literally says that. That seems to be yeah. one of the biggest. That's it. It has to be that... I mean, they say, like, if there's children in the way, you have to shoot through them. Right. So, so,
3: so, that that violation of, of the the three guys coming into that that scene...
2: I think the violation started before that, but yes. Well, to, to
3: me, that, you know, my interpretation of that, what I was taking away from that is, sort of, you know, how absurd is it to attempt to pretend that life is normal when there's war going on and because when that war when that, com- when that violence shows up on your doorstep how uncomfortable is that that and it's unavoidable and i thought is there is there more to this than just sort of the what's going on with each of the characters and the dynamics or is this a larger commentary on there's war going on in the world and you're trying to go about your daily lives and, and shouldn't we be shocked and appalled because what goes on out there, if that were to show up in our backyard, it would make us uncomfortable. And it should because people become animals, uh, you know, and in all sense of proprietary goes goes out the window because it's like we're gonna sit down we're gonna have breakfast or whatever and it's like okay he goes and he licks her, you know the girls eggs and he's like hey I didn't touch her and it's just this this intrusion this violation of what how we should behave and to me it was not just you know about the story but to me it, it I thought that's the point where there's something else larger that this film was trying to say about the role of war and how we try to act civilized when there's there's just Brutality out in the world.
1: Well, and, and I think you see that multiple times too, Steve. Right? I mean, when he walks into the, he takes Norman into the house and says, "You know, look at these people. Like they all killed themselves, but they got dressed up in their finest clothes and and drank their finest booze and they got drunk themselves. as lords. They got drunk as lords and and killed themselves. I think that's yeah. Yeah, that's another example of that same message.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it reminds me a bit of the uh, the extra or the director's cut of Apocalypse Now. When you oh, see French. when he meets the, the French, French family, yeah. still trying to, it's the idea of sort of, what, what's the phrase like, uh, tidying the tables on the Titanic? Yeah,
1: well, what, what's uh, deck, oh, deck chairs? Yeah. Uh, the deck chairs. Arranging the, arra- ta- arra- the, arra- ta- the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, I like yours Sounds better. Like,
2: tidying the tables. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tidy. It's tidying the violins on yeah. the Titanic. <laughs> uh, but also, but I mean, it did very much, Steve. Also, you know, as you were saying, have a little bit. It helped with war daddy of just desperately while trying to still keep his men in order but not be a over-civilized person he just tried to it seemed like he tried to find a moment of civilization yeah in this horribleness my problem with the scene was that it was suspect from the beginning But maybe that's maybe that's maybe it's like a couple levels. Maybe that maybe I'm not giving it enough credit of like that he's trying to create some civility. It's all horrible and the women are under duress and all this stuff. What I got uncomfortable with, let me know if I'm repeating myself, is that when the the girl who was crying, I mean, she was young, but she wasn't like a little girl, she was crying when they came in. They all have guns and then. He starts. Uh, Norman starts playing the piano. The girl comes over and starts singing. Yeah. And at, at some point, it seems to start seem kind of sweet. And he's yeah. like, "Oh!" And they go back into the back room. And then the three loafs, the other guys from the tank, come in. And you're like, "Oh, you screwed up civilization." Yeah, the civilization wasn't really there in the first place. They should have been terrified. I actually think that is a problem with the direction, oh. or with the script. The script mm. made a false, a, a false um, island or uh, mirage of. See, we're all in here and we're all having eggs. And look, two young right. people. They should go in this back. They don't right. speak any of the same words. They should clearly have sex. And he reminds him to take off his gun. Yeah. That that scene was fascinating, but I also think was really weird and i think i think wrong i think it 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 may it was supposed to make me feel things that i didn't okay. well and
0: then so, and then on, on top of that i think also uh, it it just takes it to the inevitable conclusion of then blowing them up and it's just like wiping so, the whole thing you know of course it's, it's right. like if, taking to that next step that it i don't know it just it, that felt like Almost uh, another violation on the filmmaker's part of of you know it's just like you have to end it that way and it just I don't know it just felt right well yeah and it
2: uh, even uh, adds more to the episodic nature of it well of yeah. like, okay it's, it's that, an, it's, that it's closer weird event to that. done
3: but I have a question for you guys and this maybe it's just me but the the part that I had trouble with was the character of Bible in that scene. Because it seemed like he had sort of taken on this role of, like, I'm going to sort of shepherd, you know, Norman along. He he seemed like, I, I understand, I'm going to help you out, but he seemed to be really opposed to what was going on. Where I can understand the other two, who, who we've set off as really, you know, we have issues with the new guy. But Bible didn't really play that part earlier on, but suddenly when... War Daddy has set up his little scenario here of like, we're going to have a little civilized breakfast. And when they start to tell the story, Bibles d- d- really have problems. He seemed to be really upset. It's like he's tearing up, like, like War Daddy's denying something. or And I, I couldn't get past, you know, that. I'm like, w- there's something unspoken going on, and I'm not getting what it is, why Bible's so upset. Steve, I, I love seen.
2: you so much. I that was the first time that I said I have no idea what Shia LaBeouf is doing. I thought he was if he, great, but I mean, he's done character. that
3: scene with a paper bag on his head. Then, maybe. <laughs> right? But he was just <laughs> crying
2: again. He was just crying and yeah, seemed angry. I, didn't know why. I literally, I literally could not figure out his motivation at all. Thank you, Steve. I thought I was dumb. Great. Thoughts? Okay, so we're both, we're both huh. dumb. Yeah, I No, I, I don't think, think we're both dumb. I think it's something... I think it's very confusing. Yes. What was his He wasn't The other two let themselves off by being drunk. Right. Yeah. What was I, I mean, I tried to drunk, say drunk like drunk and bitter. Drunk and bitter, yeah. but his was was he angry that there was that he gave a sidelong glance to um, Norman and Gun Daddy, War Daddy when they were going up? But it it had, there was so much weight in what Shia LaBeouf was doing, I had no idea what was going on. And maybe that's okay, but it bothered me. That whole scene, that scene, I'm sorry that we're talking about that scene so much, and I feel like part of it is because I'm persevering on it. But I mean, that scene was just one of the most expansive scenes in the film, and I had a lot of trouble with a lot of the motivation in it.
3: Well, I think we're spending a lot of time on it because a lot of the other scenes are, you know, you've got your your action sequences where we're going to fight the tiger tank, or where we get ambushed, and, it's and there's not forward. there's not a lot of character to that. It's sort of, you know, I mean, yeah, we can talk about you know the realism and you know the you know the choreography of that and the cinematography and the sound and and all that, but that doesn't really get to what the film's about. And I think because of the structure of this scene, it, it's you know the point where we can. Come to and say, there's something going on here that we feel a need to find some meaning to this story. What is it trying to tell us? Because as we we all said at the beginning, you know, Tom, wh- why tell a World War II story? And I think this is the scene we come back to: of there's got to be some meaning here to justify the telling of this story, because everything else is just, you know. Killing and carnage, which we expect, but this scene is different. We haven't seen this before. Why? Why is this in this story? What are we supposed to get from this?
0: Yeah, certainly for me, it was the most interesting scene in the film.
2: And in good ways or bad. It doesn't have to be well, that. Why was it interesting? No,
0: I, I think both. Well, because it, I, it was just, it was it, like Steve was saying, it was not expected. It yeah. was a scene that came uh kind of out of the blue and it had really interesting motivations going on um i I didn't it made me kind of uncomfortable with all the characters even the ones that i had kind of been liking um and it was it was a uh i don't know it was just there was something really uncomfortable about it the entire time um but just it, it, and, but in, and fresh, like, and they fresh. Like in an interest,
2: I guess. Oh, like a fresh. Oh, okay. So like an interesting fresh way. Yeah, not like black it's a, or it's white. A, it, not it, it you gets, know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Right, exactly. No,
0: I mean, it, sure. It, it it paints the character motivations in a in a way that I wasn't uh, I I wasn't expecting to see them taking this film into that place because it's a, a tank movie and so. Um, it, it gave me a little more insight into these characters, and uh, you know, and as much as I didn't like the, any you know their particular reasons for doing it or anything like that, I, I did find myself uh, just drawn to the scene. And the one that I end up going back to when I think about it, because I found it uh, so haunting—the the interactions between all five of the tank guys and these two women—and and, uh, and it just it, haunting. Well, I, th- I think I think the the
3: key yeah, piece it's a good with, point. with this scene, with this scene is, I mean, we, in a war movie we, we expect we expect gore and violence and be horrified by that. But I think what caught us all off guard in this scene is, it made us uncomfortable in a way we didn't expect in this movie. And I think that's, you know, if that was the intent to make people uncomfortable, I mean, I think it. We've all proven that that's. That's the response we got, and I think perhaps that was something that was unexpected first, which is why we're all, you know, keep we keep coming back to this scene. It, it was an emotional response that was unexpected in this film, and it was a scene that we hadn't seen before in this type of film, and and maybe that's what he was going for with that. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if you go back even to the beginning, I think probably the uncomfort with that whole scene comes when we've established this, you know. This relationship between Norman and and Emma, where he's, you know, oh, you're going to have one great love in your life, and the guys come barging in, it's like, hey, we got a a girl downstairs waiting for you, ready to go. And it's like, there's such a violation of what, you know, the film has set up as, oh, here's this cute relationship, and now these barbarians come in like, hey, there's a girl down here, go do what guys do in the army, just take advantage of these women, which... (laughs) intrudes upon this you know family that's been established this relationship you know which is set up as like this pure little like love story
2: and I and I and I'm sorry to butt in Pete because I know Pete you should go next but oh, really <laughs> who's keeping well, you, score? Haven't, you haven't <laughs> speaking for forever but uh, my slight I agree with that my slight difference though is my uncomfortability is that I w- didn't feel safe in the hands of the director meaning i don't feel that i was like quentin tarantino there's tons of directors that put a lot of tarantino probably isn't the best choice but i feel like the scene was directed to make me feel a different way i feel like the scene was supposed to be We did this thing, and isn't it scary? And we started in, but now we've created this family, and then it's now been violated. And I'd never, I didn't agree with that. I didn't agree that he ever made it feel like a family. It was only, it was too much under duress. There wasn't enough time. Him just giving up eggs, there's too many guns in the scene. There wasn't enough time. Uh, and so, my feeling of uncomfortability, like you were saying, Steve, of like, maybe that's what he wanted us to feel. This is just me. My uncomfortability for a viewer isn't saying that I'm uncomfortable because he uh, what he wanted to make me to feel. I'm uncomfortable because I don't feel I felt what he wanted me to feel.
3: Oh, okay. Interesting.
2: That I'm saying that I, the whole time, was like, this is, uh, um, we can't swear on that. This is messed up this whole thing is messed up and if it would if it would have gone that way and then gotten more messed up that would have been fine but at some point it got really messed up and then kind of just a very tenuous calm of like i'm going to stop crying because you gave us eggs not great let's have a lunch
1: but you know what that i think is the point tom and for that's what i got out of it at least that that you know this, that's as this, much as
2: you can offer?
1: No, it's that everybody knows. Everybody in that scene knows that we're pretending now. And that, that's on the part yeah. of the, the German ladies, too. Is this idea, we're, we know that you know, as soon as you handed those eggs over, that became a trigger point where we knew we were going to start pretending. Why and, does
2: she go over and start singing? I'm, I'm not disagreeing with what no, you're saying. I, but-
1: I'm saying because they know that theirs is a role to be played as well. But she seems
2: so... You're talking about the younger one, right? Yeah, it yeah. seems like yeah, the older like a, one doesn't sing. What the I'm saying is it well. seems like a meat the older one is fine yeah. throughout. The younger right. one it becomes a meat cute yeah. of oh you can play yeah. this and I'll come over and I'll sing and then we'll like hold hands. Yeah, it, and I got I, I, that because it was I think it, the tone is
1: wrong. Oh, I didn't see it that way. I mean, I I really walked out thinking wow, that is that that is a, a wonderful thing because the the older cousin uh you, you just get this sense that she has trained the younger one into the ways of you know if this happens we're going to need to soften the moment any way we possibly can and that's going to include using our voices it's going to include using our bodies it's going to include using our voices or using our language like we're going to have to find a way to get to the other side of this and if that means uh, ingratiate ourselves uh, you know i i you know i think possibly wow. what okay. you know what it sounds like what you may be feeling and just check me when i start lying Is this this idea that that her sincerity may have been too sincere because I didn't read that as sincerity. I read that as she's playing a part. But that, again, is my judgment going into the film, sort of seeing it this
2: way. Um, I felt it as she fell in. She fell in not absolutely, but fell in slight love with that boy.
1: Yeah and you can and sort of get that, totally too. There's,
3: that way too there's this sense oh, of yeah. adventure
1: and here's the bad boy and, and I'm the, you know she was the young girl and he was the young boy and both of them were completely sort of novice to this to this world they they had been right. they had, they had but those been had that's usually it.
2: like star-crossed lovers things there's another man with a scarred back with a gun in the room <laughs> that's not how star-crossed lovers work. You, star-crossed lovers don't start with oh you're a bad boy I'm a good guy and My town was just destroyed, and there's another man... It with a gun in my room, and the bad boy is so bad that he has to be reminded to leave his gun at the door. Oh, I hear you,
1: Tom. I really do. But I, I just, I, you know, when I walk down again, I feel like I'm. It sounds like I'm
2: trying to convince you of something. I'm truly not. I, uh, I this- do I, w- I would kind of like to be convinced because I, I mean, <laughs> not convinced, but like, because I, I said that this is a very a a yeah. very personal feeling that I had that I felt the scene was. Wrong and weird.
1: Well, I I just walked away really feeling like this was this scene was a way for the filmmaker to demonstrate all of the different variables that go into the players trying to make their day seem normal. Mm-hmm. And when they get some downtime, when they have the opportunity to slow down and not feel like they're running for their lives uh, or having to or be assigned to kill, uh, this is the way they're going to do it. And it's going to, that means I- emotional connections end up moving quickly. That means social connections end up being false. But that makes it's, sense. it's all yeah. okay because of this stage play we are conducting called The War.
3: Or in its most shallow, it's a simple simple plotting of we have to get Norman invested in somebody so that we can kill that character so that he understands that loss is a part of war and that's what he needed to learn to move on in the story.
1: I
2: prefer mine.
0: I do
1: too. I, I, <laughs> I, do I too. prefer
0: yours too, Pete. Uh, yeah.
2: I prefer Pete's. I guess Pete, then maybe I think it just comes down to, and there's no convin- I think it's just it didn't play for me. yeah, yeah in it. that I, I needed her to be a little bit the actress, to be played a little bit more scared, to not be as happy as she was singing, to just sort of to maybe give a look over at her aunt or whoever she was, while she's singing, to give that idea of, is this something I should do? Um. To not, when she doesn't understand the language, when he says, take her in that room where I will, to tap him on the shoulder. Oh, actually, that goes for your point. But then, (laughs) that actually does go for your point, because I had a problem with that until you told me about it. But then, um, just a little bit more of a... I mean, because she seemed... I mean also uh, it's a mix of both it's a mix of both your parts because at the end when they're leaving she is clearly smitten with him she was not playing a oh, part oh yeah no and they were ta- ta- they were both right,
1: talking about what's your address i want to write me, you a write letter me, right Yeah. Me.
2: so see that goes yeah. more a little bit not it, i don't want to make it a competition that goes a little bit more to my how i felt about the direction was that these two like teenagers just fell in love in 3 seconds yeah. In, well, gosh darn it! I
1: know. You can, I'm. It's okay. I, I think we should talk about the the next, the second most important point, which is, is there any truth to this report that Shia LaBeouf pulled out his own tooth for this role? What?
0: I never heard that. Is well, that true?
1: That's reported in a number of different places that Shia LaBeouf. Uh,
2: he out, seems super stable. He
1: pulled out his tooth and refused to shower uh during the filming uh in, in order to feel what it was what it was really like to to do this.
0: I didn't hear that, but I did hear Brad Pitt say that you know he was really impressed with Shia LaBeouf's performance. So quote, that's all I heard of.
1: Uh, he said to about it. So he was, trying to, his, it, yeah, he was to, trying
3: to one up Brad Pitt who had a, what his teeth chipped or something for fight club. So he's gonna be well, like, like oh, I'm, gonna a, have, uh, I'm gonna have teeth pulled. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Let me see. It's on uk.movies.yahoo.com. Oh. UK, so
3: that's reliable? Okay. Oh, shit.
1: now you've done it.
3: <laughs> Stephen Smart's gonna come after me, I know.
1: <laughs> his determination to practice method acting has become something of a problem on the set of the World War II drama, Fury. In trying to prove his dedication to the role, buff has apparently upset his colleagues. Um, he was warned about his behavior, including by uh, by people like Brad Pitt and David Iyer. He didn't heed their warnings. He drove everyone mad on the set. He pulled out his own tooth during the first few weeks of filming, and then... Then refused to shower for weeks on end so he could better understand how his character would have felt in the trenches.
2: I'm starting to think that maybe this won't be a thing that we want to laugh about too much more sooner. (laughs)
1: Well, it, it's really, I, 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 I was think thinking he, I about think
2: it. I think he's got some things going Maybe on. Maybe he
1: does, but this is, listen to my point, I, because I really feel like this is, this is a, whatever he has going on socially, psychosocially, psychologically, whatever he has going on, those are his demons, and he'll deal with them. But I, I have to admit, I sort of love this statement, because this is, this. I get the feeling that this is going to be one of those movies. That uh, it tells a big story in kind of a big way. And I think he, on some level, is betting that this is a movie he gets to make once. And that this his performance as captured on this screen, on film, is one that will be captured once. And to me, that ends up being a, a, a pretty powerful statement around filmmaking. That, uh, that he would be willing to do that kind of body modification uh, so that it would be just right it's not makeup it's not a black cap it's just right and i i think that's actually pretty powerful it's it's not something to you're absolutely right it's not something to laugh about it's a to me it just came off as a commitment to to the craft and to the part now whether that was motivated by some sort of a, an an inner demon telling him to start pulling his teeth out is something completely different but but well, i Br- I, Brad I found myself chipped his own move.
2: tooth for 12 monkeys yeah as you know yeah because if you were guys so potentially there was a little bit of a uh homage well, to that I, th- I think he
0: just removed a, uh, a repair work on his tooth technically
1: it's not like what's his name uh in the hang- hangover he actually didn't have a tooth but it it really looked great At helms <laughs> At helms that's right that was a good gimmick anyway so that's that i, I you know we don't need to belabor that one anymore.
2: I had one thing that I wanted to bring up. Sure. If that's okay. Please bring Um, it up. The shooting style. Uh, I thought was for a World War II film or any kind of war film actually now or even an action film. I thought was very weirdly refreshing and how old school it was in that it was it and, and let me know if I'm wrong but it seemed like so many like actually composed frames Almost like on a tripod, instead of that crazy, in-your-face, let's say, Steven Spielberg, uh, D-Day, like that frenetic, over-frenetic filmmaking, where the camera's going everywhere, and that you're, you're really there because it's almost hard to see where you are. And to see what's going on. And I thought it was interesting. Um, You guys can be the judge if this is interesting. But the idea, the difference between a film like Saving Private Ryan, when you're in the infantry, you're all over each other. You're on top of each other. And so the best way to show that is through someone's eyes, which is a crazy, handheld, incredible shaky cam. Whereas this, if it's a tank war, of course there was artillery involved, but if it's a tank war, they're really far away. And they're so far away, they have to use tracers for every couple bullets. Mm -hmm. And so I liked the idea of how steady the camera work was. For almost all of the film,
1: uh, and I I would agree with that. It's one of the things I didn't I didn't make so much of a connection of the bigger uh, sequences, you know, the the longer shots, the tracer shots. But I think that's that's really true, and one of the, the the sort of gift of that, uh, you know, of a lot of really stable shots is that you know you can keep up with the tracers, and that's that's you know particularly when they have the infantry guys behind the tanks, and you kind of get the sense that they could have gone, uh, gone down the, the road of the jiggly monkey, and, and mm-hmm. they they chose not to but i particularly noticed it in the inside the tank you know i mean there were there were you know six good angles and that's it inside that tank and i think they leveraged those really well
2: it was neat It, it felt more like a like a classic world war ii film Made now, is which is, the, is really rare.
1: To the credit of uh, you know, and I haven't been following uh, Roman uh, Vasyanov, uh, who's the cinematographer of this film. Um, uh, but he came uh, most recently from Charlie Countryman, another uh, Shia LaBeouf film, The East. He did End of Watch with David Ayer, and and so um, you know, are you guys uh, are you familiar with his other
2: work? Have you seen these other films? End of Watch is great. I'm sorry, I know about yeah. End of Watch. I should let other people talk.
3: Oh, well, I, I've just seen The East, which is, I mean, there, nothing spoke to me visually about that. I mean, it was, it was a, a well-crafted film, but as far as cinematography, nothing, you know, memorable that I recall. End of Watch is in my Netflix queue. It's one of those ones that I'm just waiting for being in the right frame of mind to, to watch that, knowing that it's going to be, a, you know.
2: It's going to be brutal. Yes. Very brutal. I think though
1: in it, though in refreshment because I don't remember much about the shooting style of this, but I think between End of Watch and Charlie Countryman, th- there was a lot more of the Jiggly Monkey.
2: End of Watch is a little bit of a different thing because by definition, well, it's found footage, it, it, right? It, it right. Bra- it breaks the rules a lot, but it is yeah. supposed to be at definition. By definition, found footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all over the place. It it breaks the rules all the time, like films now do. Uh, I'm sorry, now found footage films do. But yeah, but a lot of it is very, very jiggly footage. But also, when it breaks the rules, I mean, he knows where to put the camera, and it's great. But it's a very different... This just felt more. I was surprised with the lack because I I do I'm not a huge fan of what do you call it the monkey footage the jiggly monkey jiggly, jiggly the jiggly monkey <laughs> the jiggly monkey footage. At times I like that, like when uh, Paul Greengrass does it. Uh, what my biggest problem with that kind of footage is that I feel like they're cheating. Like you're not you don't know where things are and you're cheating the actual event. Yeah. This film was so. Tripod, not tripod, of course, because we probably don't use those anymore. (laughs) But the idea of being that even with a tripod with a steady shot, it was still so tense and terrifying because from so long away, you don't know where the shot's coming from. And when it does, it's so huge and horrific. It's terrible. But no, to go to your point, this is very different than than the camera work in End of Watch. Well, I, I, uh, I go ahead, Andy.
0: I was going to say I really liked the uh, the the shooting style in this. Also, I noticed it quite a bit, and I, I I liked the shots where it was like it reminded me actually of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, when, when it was like the kid mounted onto the turret, and we were like moving around with the turret. Oh, right, yes, I I, I liked that quite a bit in this. That's um, true.
2: There was a lot of that.
0: I, I have a question for you guys about um, just the an element of the story because I, I felt. I really liked how the story was uh, so much just in the tank with these guys. Um, but in the the scene where they're fighting the tiger tank, when the tiger tank all of a sudden pops up and is the three tanks, three American tanks against the one tiger tank... Um, I personally found it very distracting in the story when we're watching, the, we're with these American guys as as they're dealing with the situation, and then all of a sudden we cut to inside the the tiger tank, and we're hearing the the Russian or the, the Russian, the the German guys talking to uh, talking to each other about you know getting prepped to do the next shot and stuff. And I I don't know, it took me out of that moment because. Yeah, in the story, I felt like we were. This was one of those like confined space p- movies. It
2: was a and, POV break.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden, it's just like it, it felt like we were jumping uh, point of view. Exactly. Did well, that bother? It. Did that? Did you guys notice that, or did it bother you guys? Or it
2: it bothered me at first because I'm a huge POV person, especially for movies when it's like in a confined space. But I liked it in the end because it helped me under. Without that, I wouldn't have understood how much well, all they? Aid.
0: said All they said was "You stay on that guy, or something like that. It's like it wasn't even oh. anything necessary, I didn't think. It, it, oh, I it guess created I suspense. About the, yeah. It created suspense because there was
3: a sense of how they how they were prepping to respond to, so we we get sort of that dramatic irony of, okay, the tank they take out the one tank, so the two are going to sort of split and flank and it's like, okay, we'll take over. you know, the Germans are going to the left to, to that one, so we know okay, our guys are, are safe, are they going to be able to get there to save... You know, their comrades in time, you know, and then when it's just the two of them sort of circling around and they're trying to, to flank and get around behind the tiger, and they they blow that first shot and it's like you hear the Germans saying, Okay, come on, let's go, let's go. And it's it's to me it created suspense of are are we gonna be able to respond in time to take out this tank, to hit it at its weak spot, or is are are we gonna be in trouble? And it created that suspense, whereas if we didn't have that insight as how the germans were responding that they were ready to fire that they were doing this or that it was just okay well they're gonna come around this tank and they're gonna fire and okay we'll we'll see what happens it gave the some personality to the opponent as opposed to a, a just an aimless machine
2: which is always yeah. a tough line to walk it it right. worked for me but i understand andy it seemed sure. it seemed a little bit breaking out but it was interesting
0: yeah Apparently, just as an interesting side note, that is the a, an actual tank that they used in that scene. I think uh, it's the, uh, so the, the only the, one, the credits, right? it's the only one left uh, in the, the world. Only right
2: now. The, no, the, the, the only German tank. The only Tiger one.
0: The, yeah, the only operating Tiger tank in the world. Yeah. They borrowed it for the film, and I guess it's the first time that a uh, an actual Tiger tank was ever used in a film. Oh, in, we- in a, yeah
3: we should, we should clarify
1: um, it is it, it it was the last functioning tiger tank cuz they blew the crap out of it in this movie
2: mm, <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> are we bad at spoiler alerts yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that should have been done an hour ago That's red pit right. dies hey, okay I- go. <laughs> Oh. Right. Oh, am right? Am right. Am I right? am I right? There's a guy who actually loses his face. <laughs> hey, I do have one final question. This is a final question speaking yeah. specifically to that. Um was there anything in here that uh, any of the violence that you experienced that you felt was overtly or too uh, gratuitous?
2: Too gratuitous? Yeah. Like, I guess that's not movie. a thing.
1: I think it's just gratuitous. Like, did you find anything that was, that no, uh, that appeared question. to be um, over the top for the sake of getting people to talk about it?
2: At risk of saying, rebutting uh, myself again, World War II porn. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, just upping the stakes for upping the stakes. Right.
1: Did, did anybody have a problem with that?
2: I personally actually hated, I mean, was uh horrified but uh the the guy that was on fire because his uh tank was foot put on fire yeah that was some on fire and he shot himself in the head i found that the not gratuitous i thought that that was horribly horribly honest and probably true
1: yeah i that was the most difficult one i think for me to watch but yeah. I, I agree i i did not but it find makes it sense. over the top yeah
0: um I, I I didn't have problems with the violence. I, I think you guys are right. It's I mean it's uh there can be that line in these World War II movies of of not going too far, but it's it's like World War II. I mean it's all gonna be horrible stuff. Um I I just find it interesting and Pete, you know, this is I think it'd be an interesting series to do one day of just like take a World War Two movie from every decade from the forties to today and just look at how how the, the storytelling changes in in the making of world war Two f- films yeah. and, and the, what people look at because i mean you know schindler's list also has a lot of horrible violence and just atrocities happening in here i mean i i i was completely shocked early on in this film when i saw the bulldozer bulldozing all the dead bodies you know it's oh, just like yeah. I, I wasn't expecting yeah. that um and uh it's I, in it, color yeah, and it's 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 just it's brutal, but it's war. And I, I you know, I, I I hate to say it that way, but you know, it's like I, I I don't know if we've just come to kind of expect those sorts of things and take it for reality when we see them in a war film.
2: Mine was the I mean, if I had to say my first thing when I just really was like, oh, okay, come on, but it sets the tone for the film. Is the opening shot again, spoiler alert, of him tackling the SS on the horse and letting us see him stab him in the eyes.
1: Yeah. Boy, that opens, right. opens with that, a bang. That, yeah.
2: that for me was like, oh, Christ. Like, what is, I'm sorry, oh, shoot. What is this film going to be like? Uh, this is just too much. But then, um, unlike a Quentin Tarantino where, you know, violence is used for crazy camp and all that cartoonish it gets it gets you into the headspace of the people of like we we've just this is the first time we've met our hero and that's what he did to a man on a white horse yeah a horrible man yeah
1: boy that's a really (laughs) good point i didn't i didn't actually make that that's a a massive cultural connection yeah Uh, Yeah. stabbing the man on a white horse
2: white horse and this is the person the fact that that he was
1: a nazi on a white horse
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah Big fans of the white horses.
2: See, for for me, the the moment the white horse that goes by after, um, oh yeah, after Norman Norman gets out, out. that was interesting. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if it was the same horse. Do you think
2: it was the same horse? I don't know. I hope so. For uh... for me, it
3: was the uh, it was the when the when they were coming across the guys that were sort of dug in in the trenches, and they just rolled. Over those guys, yeah. Yeah. To me, that was a little bit. I I wasn't expecting that. And Andy, I agree. The the bulldozing the bodies in was 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 not expected. Those were the two moments that sort of stuck out. You know, there's. I'm expecting people getting shot and you know limbs and and body parts, but those just seem to be sort of about treating the human body as just material. You know, and I think I think I can't remember which character said you know about. You know, conserving your bullets. You know, sh- you know, shoot in bursts because then you get a better bullet to meat ratio.
2: Bullet to meat ratio, yeah.
3: You know, and the, it just depersonalizes it, and, I, and which is part of of war. You know, if you don't kill them, they're going to kill you, and it's it's you've got to have that emotional distance. And the, to me, the bulldozing and the plowing, just you know, tank rolling the tank over, got that across very well. Of we don't see these as people anymore; these are just bodies.
2: And what yeah. a fascinating. uh response also to the very last shot of the film the incredibly oh long crane shot of yeah. all of the people that our heroes had killed i mean they went on yeah. and on and on but did you have that same response i didn't did you have that same kind of like oh my god all? oh of my the gosh people. how many
3: how many did they kill how many people just... all
2: those it was just sort yeah. of like wow I mean, for me, I mean that's what film, but also war and also patriotism does. At risk of making a point that I don't, that I'm chasing up a tree like a hound. But the basic idea of like that last thing, like seeing those thirty bodies bulldozed, made me cringe. That crane shot made me almost of hundreds of dead bodies. I didn't exactly know what to feel, and I think that's probably the point.
0: Well, and I think uh, uh, for me, I, I think the end shot um, also was just so gorgeously composed that I had a hard time getting past the, the, like the just the the beautiful composition. Like we're completely, yeah. you know, bird's eye right over the tank, and I mean, it, and I was just like, why is he? Why is he composing it this way? Uh, where you've got bodies, basically. you're Because literally, literally, the tank is at the center of the crossroads. So you've got that metaphor going on. You've got bodies on all sides of the crossroads. You've got this road cutting through where all the soldiers are walking through. And then the tank is sitting there right in the middle. Half of it is, like, kind of dry and the other half of it is like dark black mud almost disappearing into the, the ground below it and it was I don't know it was like a weird yin yang and the way that the, the the turret is pointed I couldn't yeah. figure out what he was trying to say with that so I was completely distracted by that I wasn't even paying attention to the bodies <laughs> yeah why is the shot composed this way
3: it's yeah. like just over
1: the course of two hours you were That's, completely yeah. desensitized like, <laughs> right yeah screw yeah. this yeah. cultural identity shift it only takes two hours <laughs>
2: And I think Let's, that's a really strong point. Yeah, right. I no, mean it opens
1: with the, with the the stabbing in the eye and that's pretty much it.
2: You're well, you're I, done. I think not kill... Norman wouldn't kill one person. Yeah. Norman had to be physically forced True. to kill one person yeah. and then we see that's, in 24 hours where they've all become. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, you, I, go ahead, see.
3: I was just going to say I think I think the difference between bulldozing bodies that we don't know anything about is that it's treating them as material versus you know just we're treating these bodies like garbage versus those bodies strewn around the tank those are the bad guys
2: they were we, aggressors
3: we, 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 they were aggressors we can see you know especially that sniper how much do you hate that sniper real, you know that you know yeah you, you you see him sneaking up you're like that's a bad dude and you know it's it's also, it's an SS platoon. So it's, it's not just Germans. It's SS, which we've seen that, you know, War Daddy has a specific vendetta against SS. These are the worst of the worst. So it's already, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't feel bad because these are the really, really bad guys. So yeah. it's okay that there's hundreds of them killed. They're what's bad about Germany. So it's okay to take them out versus some anonymous bodies being treated like garbage.
1: You guys, this is so deep. This may be the <laughs> deepest conversation we've ever had.
3: Let's we've been going know for a long time. Can we talk about we talk about the score for a moment? Let's
1: let's make that one of our final points, shall we?
3: Okay, cuz I, I I I did not know that it was Stephen Price who had also done the score for Gravity. Right. Because there is cuz uh, is I I Found it online and was listening to it, you know, this afternoon after you know after seeing the film to reflect on it. And it is it, again, it's a case of not really a musical score. There are musical moments, but it is really a sound escape because there's there's moments and I couldn't tell, you know, because there's parts where they're they're rolling along in the tank and there's there sounds and then there's like chanting or, or or people talking i thought is this supposed to be but it created a mood oh again. i thought it was
1: i honestly at one point yeah. i thought it was a bleed through from the theater next door me oh, too, no, it's, me it's, too. It's, it's
3: it's it's in the score and it, it to me it's one of the most eerie and powerful scores again of really capturing you know why why do i come out why did i come out of this film feeling just so so moved and as i was listening to the score i thought that's why because it wasn't just musical you know moments or themes that carried through or swelling orchestras it was structured sound that conveyed the emotional weight of each of those scenes and to me that I think carries the the, the weight of of the subject matter of the film in this case so if if you have an opportunity uh, there's a couple articles I think out there about you know, his structure of the score and what he wove into it of like tank sounds and, and songs to build this, the soundscape. And I think that's one of the things that really helped carry the, the film and, and make it press emotionally on me.
2: I said at times he went way, way, way over the top. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But We don't have to talk about that. There were some times when I was like, Oh my gosh, quiet music. I got it. You know, it, was too, it was too much. Way too much. It's at, at times. There were certain times when I felt like a little bit of quieter stuff. Then he was like, this episode is over. And it's like, (laughs) okay, I get it. But this is like such a gritty, dirty, mud-filled film that I didn't need a huge theme for just this. I mean, at times it works so perfectly. And at times it's just like, oh, God, so much. I don't want to be reminded that you're in charge of this scoring this film. You were fine.
3: Tom, can h- people hire you out to like accompany films as they're watching so you can sing those things up?
2: Here's the <laughs> of the movie. You really <laughs> love this sequence; <laughs> it's be great. great. I think oh we got God. a next,
0: I think we yeah. got next little bit to throw in for the pony prize. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fantastic. That's <Tom> <laughs> He's going to do your voicemail. <laughs> no,
3: you to sit by you know, sit beside me and sing no, along t- and t- tell t- me t- to think that's coming out thematically in
2: the film. Shia LaBeouf took his tooth out. Yeah. He seems a little bit weird, but he cries a lot. All right. <laughs> Pete. Pete, hey, I think it's time to take us home.
1: I think we need to I think we need to wrap this puppy up. Do we have any can we do very brief round the horn final thoughts on this film, Andy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again,
0: I, I enjoyed the characters in the film, but I just wish that the story uh, was stronger and sucked me in more because it it ended up uh, leaving me feeling flat.
1: And Steve,
3: I will disagree with Andy and say it had a lot of emotional resonance to it. It did something new for the genre. It is more about more than just about the characters. It's really about broader. Things about war and the, the weight of war and, and this close family, and uh, very much enjoyed it. And as I said, I'm still working through my emotions after seeing this film.
2: Tommy? As far as the plot and the characters, they left me feeling a little bit empty, but the film itself took me on such a journey that was so harrowing, maybe as empty as the characters themselves.
1: Uh, I, you know, I I really like this film. This was, uh, it's it's one of uh, it's a war film I think that's going to stick with me. As, as Steve said, it's it's a, an angle on the war, it's a setting in the war that I, I feel like we haven't seen, uh, and I don't, I didn't know enough about, even... Even in, in spite of uh, some of the uh, more anticipated tropes, I, I felt like the the setting and the characters actually lifted it up uh, beyond some of those things. So I, I thought it was fantastic. I think we should rank it.
2: Flickchart Flick shott. Film more daddies, it's flick time. <laughs> there we go so worth the wait so <laughs> worth it
1: hey head over to flickchart.com and uh, slash tnr film board and then you can see all the films that we've talked about over the last nay uh over two years we've been oh, doing these. Uh, has it, maybe, been, that it long? Has been that long uh and uh we can see how this one stacks up is it going to make it into the top 10
0: we shall. Loading. we shall find out Loading. F- fury or cloud atlas oh fury fury Fury. I will say Cloud Atlas, but I, wow. I'm going to be the lone dissenter on this one. Uh, Fury or Looper? I am definitely Looper.
1: I'm still Looper. Fury.
3: I'm no, still Fury. Uh, I have big problems with Looper. I think
2: that's
1: Looper. a tie. All right, here we go. Andy, are you ready? Okay. Uh, are we doing one, one, two, three? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. One, one, two, three. three rock. rock. Oh, tie. Oh, it's a tie, right. so
3: Fury wins. Okay. Here we go. One more time. Let's do <laughs> one,
1: it. Two, one, one, two, two, three, three. Scissors.
0: Rock. Oh. Crush you. Me. I crush you. Fury or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? I'm Dawn of Ooh. the Planet of the Apes. Fury. Fury.
1: Fury. God, you guys. Really?
0: Yes.
2: Wow. Screw you, apes!
1: i did i do have to say that i after our our dawn of the planet of the apes review i legitimately was thinking the entire time i was watching fury how tom would have hated this movie if it was like all apes what just because of my just because of apes hurting one another like what if it was like the ss apes against the the second armored division apes if it was a bunch of
2: like tank puppies oh (laughs) yes Screw that! Tank puppies <laughs> against the SS kittens. Tank puppies is the worst. <laughs> come on, puppies. team Bow, like Bow Wow, like it all have cute names. I'm still talking. <laughs> oh, go ahead. There we go. go it's it's all Fury right.
3: buddies. There we go.
0: Okay. All right, here we go. Fury or Edge of Tomorrow? Edge
2: of, Edge tomorrow, of tomorrow. Please Edge. come
1: on. Edge of, tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow.
0: Thank the heavens. Uh, all right.
2: Um, Planet of the Apes. No, just kidding. Edge <laughs> of Tomorrow
0: well that puts it at number four it didn't let us it's uh, you oh. know these weird flick chart things it didn't let us rank it against guardians of the galaxy it put I, it at number four
1: i think we we would have called it guardians of the galaxy right I so. tell me I,
0: I yeah 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 all right i would have had it much lower it's above prisoners now and i disagree with that and world war z but hey you guys wanted it up there so. really oh, oh yeah listen tough. to you
1: hey it's welcome to passive aggressive <laughs> flick chart rating <laughs> no, really, you guys wanted it there.
0: That's right. It <laughs> hey, deserves this is to be a good be conference,
1: there. a good call, uh, gentlemen. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, and for uh, this. Was, this was a good one. This was a good film, um, a- except for Andy didn't like it. So, uh, Tommy, thank you so much
2: for being here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is my new voice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it got so high. Uh, thank was, you for having me. That was great. <laughs>
1: and steve thank you sir
3: oh i had a great time tonight
1: (laughs) andy it's always good to hear you
0: best job i ever had
1: best job i ever had best job i ever had
2: steve Steve, we're getting paid paid? for
1: crying out loud Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is.